This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. It is a joy to be with you today on Getting to Know Your Bible. I would like to thank you for tuning in, uh, especially if you may be watching for the very first time today. Getting to Know Your Bible is dedicated to proclaiming the gospel of Christ. And we go in all 50 states and uh, numbers of countries throughout the world. We want you to stay tuned today as we discuss this topic that I think would be something that all of us need to consider. The antidote for a sinful nation. An antidote for a sinful nation. Please stay tuned today. Now, on Getting to Know Your Bible, we offer a free Bible correspondence course, and, and we want you to know more about the course. We'd like for you to know how you can take this course. So what we're going to do right now is take a brief pause. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible correspondence course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama, 36580, or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214. At this very hour, the course of history is being set in our nation. I believe that America is at the very crossroads of her existence. Sin is practiced openly. It is practiced without rebuke from those that are in political circles in some cases and even from some who call themselves religious leaders. As a matter of fact, some that are in the political circles and the religious circles endorse some of the things that are going on in this country that God would not approve. What is the answer to the problems that plague our nation today? What will we do? I know this, that unless there is a change deep down in the hearts of the men and women who make up the nation of America or all the nations of the world for that matter, then there's a gloomy future ahead. You know, it was David who wrote in the Psalms, the wicked shall be turned into hell in all of the nations that forget God. I'm reminded of what Solomon wrote in the book of Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 34. I want you to think about this verse. Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. And it will take righteousness to exalt America. 
and sin will destroy us. What's the answer to the problems that plague our land? I'll tell you the answer is not to be found in returning to all of the ways of the past. The answer is not to be found in some kind of a new deal, some kind of a new political scheme. Because you see, the answer to the problems that plague America is not a political problem. It's a problem of the heart. It's a problem that's a spiritual problem. And there must be a spiritual answer. In Psalms chapter 32 and verse 12, the Bible reads like this. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. We have this expression, this phrase on our coins, on our paper money, in God we trust. And, and when we began to trust in God, when we began to believe in God, and we began to serve God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, God will save America. He will save any nation of the world when they turn to Him. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Think about some of the nations before us whose God was not Jehovah God. Rome is remembered during the days of the early church for its complicated schemes of organization and government. Germany is remembered during the days of World War II for its emphasis upon super strength and for its endeavor to produce a super race and that through a very godless means. China is another nation who in days gone by was set and saturated in superstition and worship of the dead. France rose to the zenith of her power during a period of luxury and oppression. Folks, there are many other nations that have arisen, fallen, or lost to human memory whose God was not Jehovah God. And that should cause each and every sane thinking individual to declare the antidote for a sinful nation is in returning to God. Well, what we need today is the Word of God deeply ingrained in the heart of every man, woman, boy, and girl on the face of this earth. I wish that I could impress upon all of us the need to go back to the Word of God today. Well, one of the reasons we need to go back to the Word of God is because it is so easy for us to drift away from it. And I think, if, and I'm trying to be very charitable about this, but I think in, in the last few years there has been a great drifting away from the Word of God, and I think you would agree with that. Hebrews chapter 2 and 1 says that we ought to give the more earnest heed the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should drift away from them. It's so easy to drift. And we need to go back to the Bible because it's easy to forget. There may be things that you once knew to be 
true to the Word of God, but you've just forgotten about it. It's easy to forget. Peter wrote in 2 Peter 1 and verse 9, He that lacketh these things is blind, cannot see afar off, and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. It's easy to forget what God has done for you. You see, it's easy to forget that God has purged you from your sins. As a matter of fact, in the twelfth verse, he said, as long as I'm in this body, talking about as long as he was alive, Peter told the people to whom he wrote his epistle, I'll not be negligent to put you in remembrance of these things. And one of the responsibilities of a faithful preacher of the gospel is to put people in remembrance of the Word of God. Another reason I'd suggest we need to go back to the Bible is because people can depart from it, just completely depart. In 1 Timothy 4.1, the Bible says, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly, that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith. You see, you can depart. And another reason that I would suggest that we need to go back to the Bible because people can go astray. All we like sheep have gone astray and turned every man to, our, to his own way. Isaiah chapter 53 verses 6 and 7. So we can go astray like a sheep gradually wandering away from the fold. Like a sheep wandering gradually away from the shepherd, we can go astray. Well, to me, one of the major reasons I'd suggest we need to go back to the Bible and to get back to the Word of God is because we're just not capable of directing our own affairs without divine help. Now, I know people like to feel self-sufficient. <laughs> I understand that. But, but I tell you, we're not capable of directing our affairs without some help and guidance from God. You see, God's got an edge on us. His thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways. In the 55th chapter of Isaiah, he said, As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways and your ways, my thoughts and your thoughts. So God is so superior to man we need to lean on Him. Jeremiah put it like this, O Lord, I know the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man that walks to direct his steps. Well, if it's not in man that walks to direct his steps, who directs our steps? We, our steps are directed by God Himself. In Psalms 37 and 23, the Bible says, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. The reason there's so much confusion in the lives of some folk is because they're trying to direct their own lives without God. The reason there's so much fear and anxiety that some people have today and they're so stressed is because they're leaning on their own understanding and not leaning on God. You see, the antidote for this nation is returning to God and returning to the Word of God. 
There's not a greater need today. And I don't know of an area wherein we need to return to God any more than in the area of the home. I know that many people frown upon what the Bible says about the home. One business owner who has a chain of businesses across the land allegedly said that if you believe in traditional marriage, I don't want your business. I would like to think he has been misquoted. I would like to think he's been misunderstood. Traditional marriage. The Bible knows nothing about traditional marriage versus any other kind of marriage. You see, it knows marriage that has been sanctioned and approved by God. And that's what we ought to be concerned about. And when we believe in God and we believe the Bible is the Word of God, well, then we're going to believe what God has said about the home. Now, when we reject God and we reject the Bible and we consider God to be a fantasy, we consider the Bible to be a book of fairy tales, then we'll not have any idea about any kind of a marriage sanctioned by God. And we'll think that any kind of a relationship that is what is okay with me. But let me tell you how God sees the home. God put Adam in the Garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. But he did not have a companion. Nothing that God had created was suitable to be a companion for Adam. As a matter of fact, in Genesis, the second chapter in verse 18, the, there the Bible says that God made this statement. It's not good for the man to be alone. If you'll go back and read the Genesis account of creation, every time God made something, he would say it's good. But he said it's not good for the man to be alone. So God opened up his side, took out a rib, and from that rib, he made the woman. And when the woman was presented to the man, the man said, this is bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, and she shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. For this call shall a man leave his mother, father and mother and be joined to his wife or cleave to his wife, they too will be one flesh. Now that, just think about what we have just read. God created that first home to prevent loneliness. He said it's not good for the man to be alone. It's not good for the man to be without companionship. So God created the woman, presented her to the man, and he said that they are now one flesh. Now when God created that first home, God did not create two males. He did not create two females. God created a man 
and a woman, and in the home and in, the ma in marriage as God ordained it, in the Bible, there is a man and a woman. One of the reasons that men and women ought to marry is to prevent sin. In 1 Corinthians, the 7th chapter, Paul said, nevertheless, to avoid fornication. That's illicit sexual relationship. He said, to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife and every woman her own husband. Husband and wife. Now, some might refer to that as a traditional marriage. I prefer to recall that marriage is ordained by God. Marriage as God sees it. Marriage is between a man and a woman. Well, someone says, well, Brother Lambert, I think you're being awfully narrow-minded. I think you're being awfully uh, unfair. I, uh, well, wait a minute. God is the one who ordained this relationship not Brother Lambert. God is the one who said there's to be one man and one woman in this relationship. Don't get angry and upset with the messenger because the message does not agree with your philosophy. God is the one who ordained this relationship. It's to prevent loneliness. It's to prevent sin. One man one woman. Well, how long are people supposed to stay married when they get married? Are they to stay married until they find someone they like better? Or are they to stay married until the bills start piling up? Or are they to stay married until they have their first fight? Just how long are you supposed to stay married? Well, let me tell you what Jesus said about it in Matthew chapter 19 and verse 6. What God had joined together, let not man put asunder. In other words, a man does not have a right to separate what God's joined together. Someone has said that marriages are made in heaven. You see, I want you to notice what Jesus said, what God has joined together. God is the one who joins a man and a woman together. So is marriage is a maid in heaven. The maintenance work, however, is carried down here on this old earth. And we have to work hard at having a good marriage. And when you take God into consideration in your home, you have a better chance, better opportunity of having a successful home. Joshua said, as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. That's what it takes to have a successful home. So God said there's to be one man, one woman, and you're not to separate. Now, how long should people be married? In Romans 7, chapter of the Bible, it says, a woman is bound to the law to her husband so long as he lives. If he's dead, she's loose from the law of her husband. Folks, it's for life. I don't keep up with how many wedding ceremonies I may have conducted over the years. I'll tell you, it's been quite a number. 
And in every one of those ceremonies, I would stress to the couple being married, this is for life. It is until death separates you. Unfortunately, in modern times, people are not very accepting of that. And for the very least thing, they're willing to give up their companion and go on their way. I had a young woman to come to see me one day and she was trying to get me to say that she had a right to put away her husband. They had only been married for about 12 months. And she found, she found out things about him after they married. She did not know before they married and he would not bathe. He would not brush his teeth. He would not carry on a uh, good, clean life so far as hygiene is concerned. And she just had enough of it. And I told her, I said, if you were my mother, I would not tell you that you could get a divorce. I said, because that's not grounds for it. See, we are to stay married for life. And this home can be stabilized. When we stabilize the nation, the home, the nation is going to be stabilized. There was a, a reporter who had an assignment. And he was sent to Washington, D.C. to write an article on the nation's capital. And he went to Washington, and he observed all of the things going on up there, took notes, was on his way home, and he was going back home, and he was going to write his article on the capital of America. On his way home, he happened to stop by the home of a friend of his, and they invited him to spend the night. And before they retired for the night, his friend said, we would like to invite you to participate in our family devotional. We're just going to read the Bible together. We're going to pray together. And so he joined in with the family devotional that night, and then soon thereafter they all retired and went to bed. When he got back home and he sat down to write his article, he said, I was sent to Washington, D.C. to write an article on the capital of America. And then he explained about stopping by the home of this friend, God-fearing people, Bible-believing people. And he said, I have come to the conclusion that the real capital of America is in the homes of God-believing, God-fearing men and women who exalt God in their family and exalt the Word of God in their lives. You know, I, 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 I just can't improve on that. And all I can say is amen and amen again. If we want to save America, if we want to save the world, we've got to have God in our homes. In Psalms 127 in verse 1, the Bible says, except the Lord keep the house. The wake, wake, uh, uh, keep the city. The watchman waketh but in vain. Except the Lord keep the city, the, the watchman waketh but in vain. Unless we have God in our house, God in our home, you're going to have a difficult time keeping the enemy out. Have God in your home. Poet said, 
so long as we have homes, where women are and children stay. So, so long as we have homes where women, men return at close of day, if love and loyalty abide across those seals, a stricken nation can recover from its gravest ills. And I have to agree with the poet. We need God in our homes. I'm speaking to someone right now, and you're a husband, maybe a wife, maybe a son or a daughter. You don't really have God in your life right now. And I dare say that you have a void in your heart. I believe that God created man with a void in his heart, a place in his heart for him, for God. And you may be trying to put something else in that place other than God, but you'll never have peace and happiness till you've got the Lord in your heart, God in your heart. I'd encourage you to turn your life over to Him. Turn your life over to the Lord Jesus Christ today. Are you a believer in Jesus? You say, well, Brother Lambert, yes, I, I believe it. Jesus was God's Son. I even believe He died on the cross and was resurrected. But I know, Brother Lambert, I'm not living for Him. Wouldn't you be willing to right now to say in your own mind and in your own heart, Lord, I, I, I'm going to stop this foolishness. I'm going to turn away from those things that are wrong and I'm going to start trying to serve you with all of my heart. I'm willing, Lord, to repent of my sins. Would you be willing and have the courage to confess that you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? And would you allow some servant of God to take you down into water and immerse you in that water? That's biblical baptism. And then you would come up out of that water. You would have been baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit for the remission of your sins. You can then be a Christian, make you home, a Christ-centered home, a Christian home. We want to save America. We've got to have God in our homes. I want to thank you for watching today. And let me give you a personal invitation to visit the Church of Christ in your community. And also, right now, pick up the telephone and call for the free Bible course. Or if you prefer, you can take it online. Whatever you do, take the Bible course. And it will help you in your journey toward heaven. I want to thank you for watching, getting to know your Bible today. Please tell someone else about it. Until we meet again, may the Lord keep you is my prayer. We want to help you as much as possible in your search for a personal relationship with God. You can now easily access our free Bible correspondence course online at gettingtoknowyourbible.com. If there's any way we can help you grow closer to God, please email us at knowyourbible at golftel.com or call us anytime at 1-877-711-5214.
Getting to Know Your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, or to receive the free Bible course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama 36580, or call 1-877-711-5214. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bible.